Hello, welcome to Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about the people behind today's virology headlines. With the annual American Society for Virology meeting coming up in two weeks, we are talking with graduate students and postdoctoral researchers who will be attending the meeting. Welcome. Uh, thanks for talking with us today. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Um, my name is Andrew Martin. I go by Drew and uh, currently a graduate student at Central Michigan University. I'm doing my MS right now in biochemistry, cellular and molecular biology. And um, I'm, pr- I'm pursuing this path uh, as a two-year master's program um, while I'm applying to medical school. So right now I'm currently um, waiting to hear back from a couple schools, filling out secondary applications and everything. Um, but ultimately, I want to, I'm applying to MD, PhD programs um, to become a physician scientist. So hopefully the next Fauci or something like that. So set the goals high. <laughs> it's always good to aim high, right? <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you became interested in science? So way back when, say, as a kid or in high school, how did, be, how did you become interested in science? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess just growing up, I was always good at science and math, just kind of what clicked, you know, writing was like, okay, obviously, I don't, I didn't know at the time, but how much writing scientists actually have to do. So that kind of came back to bite me a little bit. But um, yeah, so I just enjoyed science and math. And then in high school, I took a biochemistry, like a, like a tech, a tech class, I went and took a bus to go to a different, different building and took like a biochemistry technology tech class and I ended up being like I ended up getting like honors at the end of the year as like I don't know department awards type thing um so I kind of really clicked with that she was actually a PhD as well but she was teaching at the high school level um and then once I started college um I'm actually a student athlete at Central Michigan I'm on the wrestling team and uh so I decided to go to CMU kind of on a wrestling scholarship and just kind of roaming the halls I saw these flyers everywhere for uh mosquito bite feeding study and I was like this looks kind of interesting and at the time it was on a volunteer basis and I, and I kind of knew I was interested in research and whatever so I was like might as well go check out the labs and everything so I got a hold with my current PI um, Dr. MJ Conway and I was sitting there getting my arm bitten by mosquitoes and I was like hey how do you get into research and so we started talking and then we just kind of went from there so that so that's kind of how I got into my current position and uh, kind of my progression science as a whole. And then everything ended up working out to where we were able to get funding for me to do an MS in the lab. And, you know, right now he's obviously helped me out with, he's actually faculty at Central Michigan's medical school. Hmm. Um, So he's really helping me out with that journey and kind of to take my next steps. So. Right. Right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that uh, work and, and just to add, you're talking about this in your poster. Is that correct? Yep. Yep, exactly. Okay, so why don't you tell us a little bit about it, sort of like what are the kinds of experiments that you have been doing, and then maybe what are the main findings? Yeah, so we kind of started this initiative um, back when I was in high school. He started the initiative of uh, basically determining how lipids actually interfere or they change, they're a modifiable target in respect to infection and dengue virus, which is spread by the Aedes aegypti mosquito, which is the yellow fever mosquito, yellow fever mosquito. And so he basically outlined, was able to run some assays back in the day and found that these lipids were modifiable. 
basically less lipids present in the system leads to an increase in viral load um, within the mosquito itself. Then the mosquito is, has more virus inside of them and they go and bite somebody. So they, you know, higher transmission of virus. And so from there, we kind of, uh, we created a lipid depleted cell line for our, in our model system, which is ACE aegypti cells called AAG2. And so we were able to make basically just wiped out all the lipids in their cell culture medium through a fume silica protocol, which we were able to centrifuge out the lipids. So we have this lipid depleted media and the cells went into a shock at first, obviously their entire metabolism is kind of getting flipped upside down. They're feeding solely on sugar. But over time, like literally over, you know, a couple of years, kind of while I was doing my undergrad, these cells were slowly getting acclimated. And now we've discovered that these cells do, in fact, have a much higher uh, viral shedding and infection levels than our complete wild type cell line. And so my poster that I'm presenting at ASV um, goes into, you know, how we went about depleting the lipids from these cells. And now we're even running experiments uh, with qPCR experiments in order to A, detect the amount of virus, but B, we're also using primers uh, designed to target different genes. We've tested metabolism-based genes, obviously having these lipid-depleted cells. Like I said, their metabolism is kind of flipped upside down. And then also we have different innate immunity genes, um, defensin, sacropin, some different genes that are key in the IMD pathway within the mosquitoes. Obviously, they have a different innate immune system than, uh, than mammals. Um, and so we're using also, and on top of that, we've used different PAMPs, um, pathogen associated molecular patterns in order to kind of try to stimulate these cells. And we found that the lipid depleted cells act differently than the complete, uh, wild type cells. So basically we're doing all these tests on the molecular level to kind of look at the big picture as to where the countries where dengue virus, Zika virus is actually a really big problem. Those are developing countries that do have nutrition problems in their humans. So kind of the big picture idea here is that these malnourished people are getting higher viral load themselves within the mosquitoes are getting a higher, higher viral load from them. And it's just kind of this ongoing cycle to where more developed countries like the United States, I hate to say it, but a lot of our people are kind of bigger than a lot of the people down there. And so that might be a factor as to why we don't have these epidemics in the u.s on top of the fact that we're less tropical regions but i see um and does this mean that potentially this pathway could be sort of a druggable target as well is there ways maybe that you could somehow make it better or sort of change the signaling yeah potentially that's kind of like our, our next kind of chapter and trying to uncover this story but part of like the initiative of our lab is our lab has like a multiple multiple disciplinary approach to kind of not not we're not against using vaccines but the, the truth is that in these developing countries the use of those type of drugs and vaccines is really hard um you know a lot of these people don't have a lot of money the healthcare systems are rough so we were kind of just looking solely based on different areas where we can target without the use of drugs vaccines and this and that um but similarly along those same lines we are going to start now kind of transitioning these lipid depleted cells into uh, we've all another kind of initiative in our lab is determining uh, the trehalose is converted by trehalase, which is like a major uh, sugar in type of insight inside of insects. 
And so we're kind of transitioning to where this lipid depletion might also play a role in other metabolism things going on inside the mosquito, which are targets of potential insecticide products. So there's a chance that this lipid depletion might actually be a good thing as far as the insecticide goes, having these mosquitoes or mosquito cells that are less hardy, I guess you could say, you know, they're less tough, not as tough as the wild type cells. So kind of skirt around your question a little bit, but we're, we're trying to start to think along those lines. I see. I see. And um, can you kind of give us some idea, what's it like being a student athlete? So obviously, you know, being a student athlete in college takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of dedication. So how, how do you balance that in a way? Yeah. So, you know, I kind of actually went into Central kind of thinking that I wanted to kind of do my undergrad fast and try to roll into some type of master's degree while I'm under the scholarship still, because I'm, I came to Central kind of on an athletic scholarship and I have so many years of eligibility. And so I kind of was trying to get the best bang for my buck, try to get a graduate degree in there or at least start one. And at the time, like I said, I knew I was interested in science, but I had no idea. The truth is I have other kids on my team, on my wrestling team that um, are in graduate programs, but they're in, and I'm not trying to talk anything down, but they're in leadership graduate programs that don't require, you know, all these hours on the lab bench. And so for me, I hate to say it, but sometimes it's a lack of sleep. You know, sometimes I've, I've literally came in the lab at 1am midnight to stop or start a time course essay and then woke up the next morning at 530am for my lift and then went to class all day and then went to practice. So uh, I guess the easy answer is lack of, is a uh, lack of sleep, but the bet, the, the better answer is, you know, just learning how to manage my time and you know, I always make a list of things I have to do and kind of knock things off that list. And uh, unfortunately, that list always contains lift, practice, cutting weight, running, you know, so. I see. I see. And I guess it's good practice for MD, PhD, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you throw in trying to get uh, clinical experience on top of that, you know, like <laughs> working in the working in a clinic one day a week, at least the summers are a lot easier, you know, but the school year does get a little hectic and Unfortunately, some areas of my life are kind of put on hold. Like my championship season for wrestling, I kind of just tell my PI, like, look, I'm not going to be in the lab <laughs> this weekend. Obviously, I'm not going to be in the lab much this week. You know, I got to worry, worry about other things. And uh, I'm thankful that I have people in my life that are all willing to work with me on that and know that wherever I am, I'm going to give my best effort. So, Right, right. Um, and then I was curious, um, do you have uh, science in your background? So like in your family or anyone in sort of like relatives, or are you sort of the first one in your family to get into science? Kind of the first one in my family, to be completely honest. Um, my parents or my, my dad works, has worked in education his, his whole life. My mom would stay at home, but then went back to school um, to be like an echocardio tech. So she's kind of in a healthcare setting now, but you know, she's a tech. Um, but as far as like the, you know, basic sciences go, there's absolutely nothing. Um, my dad does have a master's degree, um, in the education route, but like, you know, I, it's interesting. Like I see little kids run around, like all the PIs, like at central and I'm like, looking at this kid, I'm like, look, you probably have some really cool dinnertime conversations compared to what I had growing up. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And then uh, thinking about this year, um, obviously it's been difficult for everyone. What has the pandemic been like for you sort of as a person, as an athlete, as a scientist? Yeah, so, you know, starting with, I guess, the beginning of COVID, my PI was able to get like um, essential worker access into the school um, to keep up. I guess the, the gist of it was to keep up with our mosquito colonies. Um, however, I think we were kind of keeping up with other things in, in the lab as well. Um, but I was, you know, obviously at home, but we we're kind of able to keep, you know, at, at, at one point when it was time for me to kind of come back, we we're able to kind of get the cells up and running again. Um, and, you know, we did our, you know, everybody I think has just kind of done their best with as far as lab time goes, but I'm thankful that at my school, we, it was not one of those where, you know, kids can't be in the lab. I was able to get in the lab midway through the summer, midway through last summer. So that was great. Um, you know, I, I, I know some other bigger institutions that are in more urban areas were probably hit worse with, you know, their cases being shut down for longer um, because of the more prominent threat. But thankfully, Central Michigan is kind of surrounded by cornfields. And so I can kind of just, you know, it wasn't, wasn't as big of a deal. You know, we're not in this, we're not in the middle of New York or San Francisco or anything like that, you know, so you know, we did our best and we were affected, but overall, like, I'm thankful that, you know, I'm not having to take an extra year to finish my master's thesis or anything like that. So. Good, good. Um, and then like you were saying, so your plans are, you're applying to MD, PhD. Um, where, where do you sort of see yourself in five, 10 years? What would you like to be doing? You know, I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, keeping an open mind, but actually I, I also am a medical assistant, uh, in orthopedics right now. And so I'm right now I'm working with orthopedics and then viruses. They don't really match hand in hand. I think one day it'd be really cool to kind of like mend those two together, which I guess is the goal of an MD PhD. I'm interested in, you know, people in the, in, in, our, in my clinic always come, you know, some people get infections after surgery, you know, bacterial infections. And so I do think that there's, I can somehow maybe mend these two worlds together through different pathogenic problems within orthopedics. So that's kind of one route I maybe see myself going down. Um, but no, to be completely honest, I hope to see myself in the middle of a PhD within, in a couple of years, you know, after as MD PhD, for those who may not be familiar, it's two years of medical school and then four years of PhD work or more. And then you finish out medical school with the other two years after that. So that's kind of my, my path down the road. And I guess a lot of people, always start medical school. I've been thinking they might know what they want to do, but then they get there and they go on some rotation and they change their minds. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's all sort of up in the air until you really get there <laughs> and figure it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, great. Thank you very much for talking to us. And we look forward to your talk, uh, your poster actually at ASV um, and good luck on your um, applications. Thank you very much. This has been Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about people who study viruses. This is your host, Larissa Backright, and thanks for listening.